Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening from. It is Blake Sorensen back with another episode of the Inside Leverage Podcast. A little bit of a new setup, not that new for you guys, but it's a lot different for me on the recording end. But we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, My plan for the podcast is still going to go through. We're going to be talking about the five rookie quarterbacks and one guy that I added on as well. One conversation just became a lot more uh, relevant with the releasing of Cam Newton, who some people, a lot of people probably thought was going to be the Patriots starting quarterback week one. So we do kind of have a lot to get into, and we'll start just there with Cam Newton. I'll get into Mac Jones in a little bit and what I think this says about him and what this says about the Patriots going into this year, but we'll go ahead and talk about Cam Newton for right now. Uh, Newton, in my opinion, did not look horrible this preseason. He looked a little bit better than what he did last year, other than that Seahawks game that was just absolutely insane. But I really did think Cam Newton looked better than he did last year. He had a little bit more uh, zip on that ball. I still don't believe that he'll be able to push that thing 40 yards down the field, uh, 30 yards down the field. I don't know if he still has that in him. But in that intermediate game, there was one pass that really stood out to me. I think it was the very first uh, preseason game. But um, Mac Jones looked better. I definitely think he rightfully lost the job, okay? I do believe that the offense ran a little bit better, looked a little bit better, felt a little bit more natural in how the Patriots wanted to run it with Mac Jones in at quarterback. It just looked more fluid. Um, But Cam Newton still has something left in the tank, in my opinion. No, not the MVP level stuff that we saw in, in 2015 and in those Panther eras. But I definitely think that if Cam Newton is on your team, you have the best backup quarterback in football other than Justin Fields. <laughs> but I, I legitimately think you do have a pretty good option in Cam Newton if he is your backup quarterback. Um, in certain scenarios, I think he could be a starter. I, I do definitely think he could probably contend in Denver for a starting spot. The Panthers, I I do definitely, I, I would start Cam Newton over Sam Darnold. That's just me. Um, those are the only two that I really see him contending for a starting spot for at this point in time. However, there are some spots that I think should be calling him ASAP to try and get a backup quarterback, the first of which I heard reports that they're already doing this, and it makes a lot of sense to me, the Dallas Cowboys, okay, Dallas, we saw what happened when Dak went down last year, and that was with Andy Dalton, Um, just did not look good, I think Cam Newton will be a higher quality backup quarterback than Andy Dalton is, so if the Cowboys decide to, to go out and get Cam Newton as their backup quarterback for next year. I think that's definitely a good deal for them. I think it's good for Cam too, right? You're going to a team that nice offensive line, nice playmaking weapons. You have a lot of stuff there that is very um, optimistic if you do have to get thrown into the fire. You're not working with Jacoby Myers and Devin Asiasi as your weapons. Sorry, Patriots fans of last year. But my thing is that Dallas would be a very good spot. You have Lamb, have a good uh, offensive line, Coop, uh, Michael Gallup. I I would really want to go there if I was Cam Newton. Now, there's another situation that people are probably going to scoff at. 
because they just drafted this guy in the third round. But I think the Minnesota Vikings should definitely consider adding Cam Newton as their backup quarterback. Uh, this preseason has just looked brutal for the Vikings offense, um, especially at the quarterback position. Browning, I never thought was going to be an option for them to actually be a backup. They drafted Kellen Mond in the third round, who I thought offered um, some value as a backup quarterback for the Vikings, but he just hasn't looked very good. You're in a situation in Minnesota where uh, Mike Zimmer is kind of coaching for his job right now. I think he definitely needs to get into the playoffs, and there would be nothing more devastating than you get to around week five or six, Kirk Cousins gets hurt, uh, and then you have to play four weeks w- with Kellen Mond, who has just looked like absolute crap so far this preseason. So I think Minnesota really is a destination for Cam Newton to potentially go. I don't know how Rick Spielman feels about that or anything. I don't know if uh, uh, Vikings fans are going to be like, yeah, let's go get Cam Newton after they just got Mond in the third round. But... Remember, this is not a replacement for Kirk Cousins, at least this year. I'm not saying Kellen Mond cannot be a starting quarterback in the future, but when you're Mike Zimmer, your job is most likely on the line without a, a playoff berth, at least. I would be willing to go out and get Newton. Like I said, he looks a little bit better. Um, I do believe that if that Vikings offense is running correctly, if you know, Wyatt Davis can come in and be a pretty good starter. If Christian Darisaw starts starting now, I think that run game could be dominant and it's gonna you're gonna be able to ask Cam Newton to not do too much. Again, you have weapons there. You have Irv Smith who's not gonna be there for the first couple of weeks. You have um Thielen, you have Justin Jefferson, you have a dominant running back in Dalvin Cook. Offensive line is not the best. But I really think that it, that's a beneficial deal for both sides because if you're Cam Newton, you get paid some money to potentially be holding the clipboard for Kirk Cousins, or as Tom Sawyer's, you go in, maybe you shine for a couple games, and, and you secure some pretty good money as a backup quarterback. Going forward, we know backup quarterbacks can make like $2 million. I'd be down with that to try and get that type of deal. But yeah, Minnesota is probably the one I think that makes the most sense, honestly, in my eyes. And then another one, we're staying in the North. Um... The Pittsburgh Steelers, again, another team that's probably going to be competing for a playoff spot. They have solid weapons there. Deontay Johnson, uh, Johnson, Juju Smith. I was thinking of Schuster when I said Johnson and kind of mixed the two together. Uh, Johnson, uh, Juju, James Washington, who might get traded. Um, they have Chase Claypool, Eric Ebron, Najee Harris coming out of the backfield. That offensive line could use some help, but... Overall, I think that's a good one because you don't want to be stuck with Dwayne Haskins. That's just me. If Steeler fans, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, you know what? I actually would kind of really love Dwayne Haskins if, if Ben Roethlisberger goes down. Peace be with you, my friend. Peace be with you. But yeah, I think those are kind of the three spots that make a lot of sense for Cam Newton to go because I think a team should be looking at him as a backup quarterback and uh Denver, Carolina could also be some wild cards. Detroit, too, maybe. But I think Cam goes better as a backup quarterback on a team probably trying to win. So that's kind of what I see there for the future of Cam Newton. He definitely should be rostered. Uh, 
if not by week one, a quarter into the season, I don't see how Cam Newton does not end up on a NFL roster unless, uh, yeah, I definitely think that he should be. So we'll go ahead and segue that into talking about his predecessor, the guy who beat him out for a starting job, uh, Mac Jones. Okay, let's see what I got. I went back and watched uh, the preseason games and the snaps for all of the the rookie guys. Um, Mac Jones looks good. Very good. And look, all five of these guys showed flashes, in my opinion. Um, some more than others. Some looked a little bit erratic at times. But Mac Jones just kind of went in there and just did what Mac Jones does. Impresses the... Savvy football fan, and probably to the average football fan, you watch him, and you're like, how is he good? How is he good? And I ask myself this question, too. How is Mac Jones good? He does all the small things. All the There was a touchdown that he had where he's looking off the safety, and then boom, in there. Um, he just does all the small things so well. And you know who else did all the small things so well for 20 years and did them again last year and won a Super Bowl? That guy. I'm not going to compare the two at all. But this offense seems to run so similarly to how it did under Brady with Mac Jones. It feels like this is the natural state of the Patriots offense and what Josh McDaniels wants to do. Um, and it, I just don't think that it was going to function well with Cam Newton. I think there was potential. But Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are smart guys. They're not going to put a quarterback in a situation. They're not going to mold a, an offense around a quarterback that doesn't work for him, right? So getting Mac Jones back, they were kind of able to revert to the, the offense the way they'd been running it the last 10 or so years. So, and Mac Jones just runs it. He's calm. He's collected. He's poised. He throws guys open. Um uh, wrote here takes what the defense gives him I think that's a very underrated thing about really a lot of these quarterbacks they do a very good job of that but Mac Jones I think does a very good job with the placement of the ball with manipulating the defense with his eyes and a, a super underrated thing that I noticed from the get-go with Jones he maneuvers a pocket as good as anybody as good as anybody he just moves so well, has a good feel for the pocket. I don't think he's going to be taking a lot of sacks, even if that offensive line, which I think it's going to be great this year, but if injuries happen, I think he's going to make it work similar to that one guy. It's just it's very scary that the Patriots were able to do this, and I'm not saying at all that Jones is going to win six Super Bowls with the Patriots and MVPs. I don't know about all that. We're just going to have to wait and see. But it is definitely eerily similar. Very scary and similar to how stuff looked before Brady left. But yeah, um, Mac Jones definitely was the better quarterback this preseason in my eyes. Not by much. Uh, I don't think Cam Newton was bad by any stretch of the imagination. But like I was saying earlier when I was talking about Newton, this offense just felt like it flowed a lot better and felt more like a, um, this is how it's supposed to be with Mac Jones. So I think he definitely did win the starting job. Um, and I'm very conservative with how I would bring up rookie quarterbacks. The only rookie quarterback that I'd probably be starting from the jump 
would have been uh, Zach Wilson, even if it's only for a week or two. That's just kind of me. I want them to ease into the water. But some people say it's better to just jump into cold water. But yeah, so that's Mac Jones. Thought he looked very good this preseason. Calm, cool, collected is going to be the the three words that I feel like I'm going to be using to describe Mac Jones a lot during his NFL career. Now we will go ahead and pivot to the guy that he is going to be playing week one. Um, And it's going to be a tough matchup for Mac Jones going against Brian Flores and the Dolphins. Solid talent on that defense. Amazing play caller. He's going to mix up a lot of stuff. It's going to be interesting for both of these guys. Tua as well having to go against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Take the under in that game. Take the under because I think both of these quarterbacks are going to be struggling a little bit. But let's get into Tua. Um, I said that I I covered the five rookie quarterbacks and one other guy. Tua was the other guy because he just didn't feel like the player that a lot of people were tanking for Tua for at Alabama. He just didn't feel like the same guy. I think he was still recovering from that hip surgery. He just, I kind of, I think he was playing a little bit hurt, a little bit gimpy last year. Didn't have a lot of confidence. Didn't have a lot of zip on the ball. And a, a quarterback once told me, hey, everything comes from the core. Everything comes from lower body on up. Just like throwing a punch. So if your hip's jacked up, I don't think you're going to be able to have confidence in your throwing motion. Have confidence in the velocity you're going to be putting on balls. Pause. But yeah, I just, I'm just i super excited for Tua this year. And I wanted to watch his preseason games, and it kind of delivered, for me at least. So in that Bears game, uh, there's this, I think it was a third down. Might have been a second down. Outbreaking route. Tua reads it well. They're running uh, running back flat route. Boom, over the top. Hits him. It's just dropped. Then he has this nice nice throw to Mike Gusecki on third and four. Uh, Red man sat in the pocket, I think. Uh, safety kind of, there was a crossing route here, safety kind of went down, and then Gusecki just kind of popped up off the top of that. I really liked what I saw there. Um, and and I, I put down here that it feels like he has a little bit more zip on the ball, which I think is good for him definitely because that was honestly my biggest concern with Tua last year because a lot of people are like, oh, the decision-making wasn't exactly great. He was too conservative. I think all of that comes with lack of confidence in your ability to throw the football. If you feel like I cannot fit this football into this tight window on this seam here, you're not going to throw it. What are you going to do? Look down, take your check down. That's why he's putting together these 10 for 12, 86 yards, no touchdowns, no interception games, right? And I think now that we're, or at least what I saw in the preseason was a healthy Tua, I'm anticipating that there's going to be more deep shots down the field. Remember, at Alabama, Tua could sling the hell out of a deep ball. And now because we've seen one season of him playing potentially hurt or recovering from a major, major injury, hip surgery, hip recovery, whatever, hip has to do with everything with movement, right? Let's not understate the hips here. No, it's not his, his throwing shoulder or an ACL or something along those lines, but hips have a lot to do with just body mobility and movement. So if you are recovering from an injury of one of the major, like, what's the hip? Is it a bone? Is it a, a, a joint? I don't know. But a major player in the movement game for any person, let alone an athlete, I'm not, I wasn't expecting, right, the two uh, that's going to be in the NFL last year. And that's why so many people were jumping off this two a hype train 
And do I think they should still should have taken Justin Fields? Maybe that's a conversation. Do I think they should trade for Deshaun Watson without a doubt? Yeah, although there's some question marks there. But uh, non litigation pending Deshaun Watson, yes, because that's a known quantity. I'm always going to take the known quantity, but I don't think Tua's done or not going to be a good starting quarterback by any means or a bust. Just go back and watch that Bears game. And now, he did have a very boneheaded interception. There was some pressure in his face, and he kind of gets a little uh, like choppy with his feet and then throws into this double coverage and this interception. That was not great. But he's still only in his second year. I'm not too worried. Um... I love the accuracy and the zip that I was seeing on the balls. I'm super excited. Then we go ahead and get into the Falcons game. Uh, from the jump, starts off with an RPO, runs it well. I need to see more of that from the Miami offense. RPO, RPO, RPO. And then some deep stuff over the top. Um, took a check down on a third and nine, which I thought was a good uh, or bad. It was very Kirk Cousins-like there. Um, uh, he had a nice flat, felt nickel blitz coming. Dumps it off to the flat, picked up about eight there. I thought it was just a good job having some instinct, recognizing what the defense was doing and getting out. And I put here that I really like how he, how he's moving. Um, for a while, I was watching these, and I've probably watched. There was probably about two drives, and I'm thinking to myself, push the ball downfield, man. You have Jalen Waddle, you have Will Fuller. I know Waddle's playing. Don't know about Fuller. Don't think he was, but you have solid deep threat wide receivers. Let's get some practice of, of Tua pushing the ball deep and, and versus a live defense. And then I saw that a little bit in, I think, the second or third drive of the Falcons game. So that was definitely something I wanted to see more of. And I think um, Miami needs to kind of lean into Tua's strengths. Not the strengths that were there last year because there wasn't many. But going forward, I think a lot of RPO, I think that'll be very beneficial to help that, that shoddy offensive line. Um you know, get some RPOs going. I think Tua ran them very well at Alabama, and I think he can run them very well in the NFL. And then deep shots as well. I You have the personnel to do it, so take the top off of defense with Tua. He's healthy. He has more zip on the ball. I don't have any doubt in my mind that Tua can be one of the better deep passing quarterbacks in the NFL, so go ahead and utilize that skill. Um, overall, I was kind of impressed with Tua. He looks more like the quarterback at Alabama than the quarterback that we saw in his rookie year, and that is definitely beneficial. I wrote here that he only had two what-the-hell-are-you-thinking type of throws. Um, and like I said, I want to see this offense open up and push the ball down the field more and run some more RPOs. So that's going to wrap it up for Tua. Super pumped, man. Tua, I really do think, is going to have a pretty solid year in Miami. Have a lot of people kind of coming back from that, oh, Tua suction. Do I think they could have got an upgrade from Tua? Yes. But I'm excited to watch him this year. He's one of my players that I'm like, okay, let's see what this guy has in store. And so far, from what I've seen in the preseason, I have been uh, not surprised, but I've just been pleased. It's like, yeah, that is the Alabama guy that deserved to go third overall. Now, we pivot to... Uh, I don't think I know any other Mormons than him. Zach Wilson, my favorite Mormon, I guess by default. Um, Giants game, first couple, first drive, I wrote down, looks like a rookie. Timing was off a little bit. Um, not hitting guys in stride. Just And it, was, it wasn't the accuracy so much because 
there were some missed passes, but it was more of the timing, like a ball behind the guy, uh, didn't time a, a, a route break on time, just stuff, small stuff like that. Um, but then he kind of started to settle in, and man, the zip this guy puts on a ball is just absolutely spectacular. He, and it was funny because they were playing them, and, and the other quarterback, the guy who I'm not going to compare him to, but in the way that he throws a football is kind of similar to me, Aaron Rodgers was like, yeah, he has a calm demeanor. I, I really like what I see out of this kid. And it was funny to me because Zach Wilson, in the way, I'm not going to compare the two, but just in the way that he slings that football, and it looks so effortless. You know how Aaron Rodgers just flick? And then all of a sudden the ball's in Devontae Adams' hands at the five-yard line. Zach Wilson kind of has a similar thing, and that happened in the Packers game. I think he started to roll out left. Not really roll out, but just flip his hips a little. And then he looks. Did he start to come back right? I don't remember if he came back right. But then, boom, slings his pass. I think like 25 yards down the field to a wide-open Corey Davis on the sideline. Puts enough on it to where the safety is breaking. Obviously, the safety sees this happening. Cornerback sees it happening. And he still gets it there in time and is able to get this huge chunk play. It was maybe one of the most impressive plays that I had seen from the quarterbacks that I watched um, up there with like that crazy Justin Fields play that he had just this past weekend and the Trevor Lawrence game against the Cowboys. Like Almost every throw Trevor had in that game was spectacular. But yeah, uh, very good play from Wilson there. And again, the thing that I mainly want to see in preseason football from these rookie quarterbacks, do they look okay? Like, do they... They don't look like a deer in headlights. That's what I don't want. And then I want to see if they can run the similar traits to what they were in college. Do they kind of, is it transcendent a little bit? Obviously, they're not going to come in and be exactly the player they were at BYU. But does he possess some of them those same flashes and skills and potential of the things that I liked in college? And for Zach Wilson, I think he checked all of those question marks liked what I saw. He very much looks like the guy that I, I, I saw and love at BYU. Now we move to Justin Fields. Um, my number one takeaway from that Dolphins game was that he just looks super composed. He looks like a guy who's been there before. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Played high school at a high level. Played college at a high level. And the thing I like about Justin Fields is this is not a kid who just... I don't want to say took the easy route. He didn't, but he's handled a lot of adversity already in his career. You know, sometimes you'll get a guy just waltzes up there, has a rough half of a season, and then crumbles. Crumbles. I think that's kind of what we saw with a, a Dwayne Haskins-like guy. But Justin Fields has been through it all. He's been bad. He's, he's changed schools. He's thrived. He's, you know... I really like the perseverance of Justin Fields because it just makes everything seem so calm. Like He's just like, oh, I throw an interception here. I'm going to be cool. I'll score a touchdown here. I'm going to be fine. I get smacked and get my helmet taken off in a preseason game by a, a, just a, a Bills player screaming off the edge. I'm going to get my ass right back up and see a very similar blitz later on and deliver a nice strike. That's the thing that I love the most about Justin Fields. It reminds me a lot of Rocky. Like, just boom, boom, boom. Gonna come back. Gonna come back. Gonna come back. Now, enough with the uh, 
with the mental things that I love about Justin Fields. The way that he uses his legs, so spectacular. Mac Jones, I think, is very good inside of that pocket. Justin Fields is as well. A lot of people see those scrambles and they're like, oh, he's just going to bail on the pocket. No, 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 no. Justin Fields will sit in a pocket until he cannot anymore. That's what you have to realize. People will say, Justin Fields holds on to the ball too long. He's going to get sacked a lot. He holds on to the ball for a long time so he doesn't get sacked. And even if he does, okay, let's say Justin Fields gets sacked three times a game because he held on to the ball too long. It's going to be a lot more than that. This Bears offensive line sucks bad. If he does start this season, it's going to be brutal. But are those three sacks worth maybe the 40-yard play that you get? Because he, he moved around and he held on to the ball too long. Is it going to be worth a fourth and two on a two-minute drive and you need to pick up this first down to potentially win the game and Justin Fields was able to move around a pocket and scramble for the first down? But he held the ball too long. Doesn't matter. Justin Fields does all the right things when holding on to the ball too long. He looks very good with using his legs not to use his legs, but out of necessity. And that is such a scary thing. It is such a scary thing when you have a guy who is going to hold on to the ball for six, seven seconds to find a strike down the field. That is more terrifying than a guy who pocket starts to collapse. Let me take off. Justin Fields is scary. And a lot of it, the Packers, Vikings, and Lions should all be looking at the Bears right now and being like, oh, shit. But then they're like, oh, they have Matt Nagy as their coach. We're all good. <laughs> but anyway, there was a throw in that Bills game that I didn't love from him. He had a throw to, to I'm pretty sure it was Jesse James. That was amazing. Uh, I can't remember if it was for a touchdown or to get him down. But then there was this throw down the left side where um, down the about the hash, I think, no, uh, on the numbers, it was about on the numbers, throws, he beat the cornerback, the, the guy beat the cornerback by a little bit, throws it in this nice window, goes up, um, safety comes, I think it was a, a drop, the pass was dropped, but Justin Fields let his receiver like go to the cross on that one, he was trying to get him crucified, and it was going to be rough if it was an NFL game, so... That was one of the things from Justin Fields. Um, thought it was a little like, eh, don't leave your wide receiver out to dry on that one. A little bit of a better placement. I would have put it kind of on the outside so that way safety doesn't even have a chance at making a play there really. But yeah, he would have got Allen Robinson lit up if that was in the regular season. So again, just a small thing. I'm kind of calling the things that I see and that I wrote down that were important here. Um and again, in the Titans game, what I wrote down is that he, he does an amazing job looking to create big plays. And it sounds very basic. It's like, well, I think every quarterback looks to create big plays. They can, but they don't have the ability to do it like a, a Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Fields or a Russell Wilson, right? And I think having that ability to you never know when you're not going to be able to get a sack. Some guy's going to break open and Justin Fields is going to find him for 60 yards. It's just such a terrifying thing to have to plan for when you're a defensive coordinator. 
Um, there was a fourth and eight play that, that stood out that I was like, wow, that's really good. But yeah, overall, Justin Fields looks amazing to me. I wouldn't see, and this is the thing. A lot of Bears fans are going to be like, oh, I wouldn't start Justin Fields week one or maybe even not this season at all. And it's less to do with Justin Fields and more to do with the situation, right? Because if you look at Trey Lance, Trey Lance is not in a situation where he's going to be screwed around, right? Weapons, offensive line, phenomenal head coach. Mac Jones, similar situation. Trevor Lawrence is just Trevor freaking Lawrence. But Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are in the two spots where I think you have potential to maybe get brought down by your environment. And Justin Fields, right? What if you throw Justin Fields to the Wolves in week three? Okay. And it's bad. This offensive line can't protect. Can't find anybody down the field. Um, Play calling is absolute crap because it's Matt Nagy. It's going to be. You know, I'm just more worried about what this is going to do to Justin Fields kind of getting brutalized rookie year because I do feel like it's going to be rough. There's going to be a lot of hits. It's going to be a lot of injury risk. Um, But if anybody's going to kind of be able to rise from that, I would say it is Justin Fields. I just, I think the situation is so bad right now with Chicago on that offensive side of the football. You say, Blake, they have Cole Komet, they have David Montgomery, they have Darnell Booney, they have Allen Robinson. Uh, Yeah, I'm well aware. But I don't think that's going to take away from the fact that I don't think the play calling is good. And great play calling can go so far for a young quarterback. I don't think the offensive line is good. At all. At all. I just think it's going to be a rough ride for Justin Fields. I would kind of pump the brakes... See if we can get some stuff better for for next year or even midway through the season. But throwing Justin Wolves, Justin Fields to the Wolves does not sound like an ideal development of a rookie quarterback to me. Maybe to you. Not to me. That's just kind of my opinion. Now, if you think Justin Fields should be starting, I kind of, yeah, I, I do think he's definitely the better quarterback than Andy Dalton. But, <coughs> sorry. Has he been, has the offense looked that much better with Justin Fields in it. This offense didn't like take a complete 180 and look like the 07 Patriots. They're always the great offense that I bring up. I'm sorry. But hey, if you're talking about defense, you always bring up the 85 Bears. I know you do because that's the one everybody brings up or the 2000 Ravens. But anyway, this thing didn't do like a full 180 once Justin Fields got into the game. Yeah, the offense looked a little bit better, but it's not like, oh my God. This offense is winning the, the scoring title this year. I, at least, I didn't think that. Did it look better? Yes. Did Justin Fields add an element to this offense that isn't there with Andy Dalton? Yes. But he's still a rookie quarterback. And I think, yes, he's better than Dalton. Yes, the offense will be a little bit better with him. But how much? What is the risk-reward here? For Matt Nagy, it's everything. For Ryan Pace, it's everything. For Bears fans, for Bears ownership, is it really worth risking long-term development of Justin Fields to make your offense that much better? Again, for Nagy it is. And that's why I don't know why Justin Fields isn't starting. That's The, the, the decision by Nagy does not make a lot of sense to me either way. Now we move on to Trey 
from the bay. Um, definitely looked the most raw out of all the quarterbacks, in my opinion. He definitely had the most, like, performance-wise, I would say the worst. But that's not really what I'm looking for here. I'm not going to, like, be... I, I'm more looking for flashes than the actual, like, down-in and down-out performance. I don't anticipate Trey Lance starting for a good amount of the season. But when he did look good, he showed off that cannon. Just had a phenomenal arm. Just slinging that rock down the field. We know that week one touchdown to Trent Sherfield, who... Dak, I'll give you credit, man. Before the preseason even started, you told me about Sherfield. He was like, watch out for this guy. And then, boom, right away scores that 80-yard bomb from Trey Lance. And he looked pretty solid and stood out in the rest of the Niners preseason games. But I digress. Um, again, in that Chiefs game, there was a third and long that he had a nice pass, and I think it was dropped on the sideline. It was, they were going, if you're watching, to the left. Um, and it was like a third and eight, I think. Throws it to the right boundary. Uh, good pass. Enough time for the, the wide receiver to get his feet in bounds. It was just dropped. Then in that Chargers game, another, he had a nice touch on this pass to Sherfield, But then, um... That interception that was in the Niners game or the Chargers game was definitely his fault. He again over the middle and in breaking route. I think it was like a a deeper in, and yeah, he left the the ball up a little bit high. Um, it was too high of a pass, so I'm going to blame him for the interception. Uh, I heard Niners fans say, "Oh, that's not his fault. That's the wide receiver's fault." No, it was a bad pass because again, you're gonna get your wide receiver sent to the hospital, especially going over the middle. The sideline one to field's a little bit different. Safety's coming from the middle of the boundary. This one, it's in the middle of the field, man. You are going to get him hospitalized. Somebody's son is going to be a bastard because of you, Trey Lance, if you keep this stuff up. So please, just bring those middle of the field passes down a little bit. But I would definitely call the interception on his fault. It was high, uh, tipped off the wide receiver's hands. Bad pass, and that's why it's his fault. The interception is not necessarily his fault, but it was a bad pass, so I'm going to tie it back to him if you get what I'm saying. You're an NFL wide receiver. You should be able to catch that. But then again, you're in the middle of the field. You have to worry about getting just obliterated by a Sean Taylor-like hit. So I, I understand, kind of, but it's on both of them. But got to be a little rough on my boy Trey. So I'm going to blame that interception on him. He was not blame-free. Um then he has that touchdown to, I think it was Travis Benjamin. His name was Benjamin. And here, looks off the safety of the middle linebacker. Boom. Strike. Very good quarterbacking there. That's the stuff that I want to see more about a Trey Lance. Because I know that the raw talent is there. He has athleticism for days. He has a cannon for days. When you start getting the quarterback savvy things that Matt, it just oozes out of Mac Jones. Like, Mac Jones is just there with, like, looking everybody off, reading a defense, knowing what to do here, uh, taking a flat when he needs to. When you can get a guy like Trey Lance to start doing the Mac Jones-like things, that's how you get Josh Allen. That's how you get Patrick Mahomes. When the physical talent gets the quarterback savvy things, the traits, that's when you get generational talent. So... Trey Lance, yes, the, the, the downs were there, but I think the highs were there from an athleticism standpoint and the beginnings of the fundamental and really basic quarterbacking are there. 
So you're not getting this completely like Bambi out there who doesn't really know what he's doing and just throwing a football around. He definitely, to me, looks better than Josh than rookie Josh Allen did. I think if you're a Niners fan, your ears should uh, point up for that. Then in that third game, the Raiders game, he had to throw right over uh, a defender on a herd drop. It was just perfectly placed, perfect touch on the ball. Hurd should have caught that. Um, he's going to be so filthy with these play-action rollouts. He does such a good job of flipping his hips when he's going to the left side, and he has the arm talent for when he's rolling out to the right side to just kind of sling that rock. Him and Kyle Shanahan are going to be on demon time for such a long time. But yeah, there were a lot of drops for Lance. I liked what I saw. It was kind of what I expected to see out of Trey Lance, quite honestly. A raw, um, some mistakes, but I was kind of surprised with how good some of the things he did. Like that touch that he put on that pass that was dropped by Hurd. Like the, the look off of the safety on that touchdown to Benjamin. Overall, I, I was kind of a little bit surprised and pleased with the stuff that Trey Lance was putting out there in the quarterback savvy aspect. Now let's talk about Trev. Trevor Lawrence, man. And let me just tell you this. However good you think Trevor Lawrence is, he's better. He really is better, man. And... I know it's just preseason, but when preseason is confirming everything that you saw at Clemson, that's when it's good. That's when I'm willing to take away a lot from it. Similar to to Jones and Wilson and even Fields. When preseason looks similar to the stuff you did in college, I'm cool with that. That's when I'm like, okay. Uh, we all know that big play from the Browns game that, oh, is this the best throw of the preseason? We got it right away. Trevor Lawrence may have had throw of the year. Throw of the year is never going to be from the preseason. Shut up, NFL. That wasn't even his best throw. <laughs> like People I know, they're still going to pop up on the highlight tape. Trevor Lawrence had a great preseason. You know, they're going to show 10 slides on the Instagram of 10 good throws from Trevor Lawrence. That wasn't even near his best throw. He could have, he, he should have. Put it a little bit over, I think it was Marvin Jones, so that way he can kind of use his body, shield out the defender, into the breadbasket here. If you get what I'm saying, if not, go back and watch it. Um, the defender has a chance to make a play on that. Greg Newsom was the defender. If it, I really, if that's not a rookie cornerback, I think a play gets made on that one. Again, I'm nitpicking here. I think Trevor Lawrence is easily the best one in this class. I'm nitpicking, but that Cowboys game, man. Oh my God, just the touchdown throws that he had, everything was just filthy in that Cowboys game. I legitimately think, what's the over-under? I need the over-under on wins for the Jacksonville Jaguars because this offense has potential to be pretty damn good this year. Chenault is just an absolute beast. Chenault is a dog. People got to realize this year, I think Chenault is going for 1,200 total yards. DJ Chark is a beast down the field. Marvin Jones looks really good. Really good, Marvin Jones. Um, James Robinson out of the backfield. I don't know what the over-under is. Uh, so if it's at like 6.5 or something, I take this back. But I'm probably taking the over on Jacksonville Jaguars wins. Simply because of how good I believe Trevor Lawrence is. 
And with the offensive weapons here, I think it's uh, Daryl Bevel, I believe, is the offensive coordinator. I know it's a former Seahawks guy. I want to say it's Bevel. Don't, yeah, it's either Bevel or Schottenheimer, and I think it's Bevel. Um, he has a very good understanding of this offense, in my opinion. He's done a very good job getting LaVisca Chanel the ball out in space, and that's very pleasing. I definitely think that Jacksonville can win uh, five to six games this year because this offense is the offensive weapons and the quarterback are so good. But yes, Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, yeah, oh, he's filthy, man. He's fil- I'm so excited to watch him week one against a live defense. I don't even know who they play week one. I haven't gotten that far into it, but I am freaking excited to watch Trevor Lawrence. So I'm not going to rank them. Like People are like, oh, Blake, who had the best performance, who had the worst? They all produced really well. And I saw what I wanted to see out of them from the preseason, even Tua. Tua, the one that surprised me the most, probably Zach Wilson. I would have I, I would have expected a little bit more struggle there. But yeah, overall, all of these guys just were completely amazing. Uh, who do you think had the best preseason performance out of them? If you're a fan of the team, let me know kind of what you were expecting from a guy. I know we got some Niners fans. Go ahead and leave in the comments what you were expecting from Lance. Did he provide... And when do you think each of these guys should be starting? For me personally, Mac Jones is obviously going to be starting right away. Trevor Lawrence starting right away. Zach Wilson most likely starting right away. Tua, it, a little bit, of, but he's starting right away. Uh, Trey Lance, I think, I might pump the brakes on Trey Lance for a whole season depending on how it goes. And this is all depending on how it goes. I have to see how things are going to play out because I legitimately think the Niners could be a 10-11 win football team with Jimmy Garoppolo for a whole season. So, and then in that situation, there is no need to bring Trey Lance. Bring him along slowly. Let him do his thing. Uh, I anticipate we get Justin Fields within the first five to six weeks of the season. I definitely think that's when we see Fields. But, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed, make sure you drop a like if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure you head over to the YouTube, STV Sports. Subscribe, like the video, drop a comment under it, and share with a friend. Uh, crazy goal that I got. I want to hit 200 by the end of the year. So if you listening can go ahead and share this with two other people, that's going to help me so much because I'm hoping maybe I can convert one of those two people to come subscribe and, and, and join uh, the STV Sports community. And, you know, if I can get one out of every two that you share, then they're going to share it with two people. Maybe I can get one of them. Uh, yeah, I would just greatly appreciate it if you shared it. Um, it would mean so much to me because I love doing these podcasts when people are talking back to me, whether it be good or bad. They're like, dude, you suck. That's a stupid opinion. I like that because it's engagement. We can have a conversation. Maybe I can learn something from you even. But yeah, it's just so great. Make sure you drop below in the comments your thoughts. Share with a friend. Blake Sorensen with STB Sports. Thank you so much. Season's almost here. Peace and love.